This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and other isolation-related topics. Uh, I am Ben Goats once again, coming from my house in my bedroom uh, while locked up with my lovely girlfriend and dog. On the phone with me are my colleagues Dave Shane and Adam Hill. Uh, guys, how are you guys holding up in your respective dwellings? You know, so far so good, I guess. I mean, I keep feeling we're like two years into this, and I feel like it's only like two weeks, so uh, we're getting through it, though. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. I'm I'm probably having a harder time with it, but I'm not here to complain. This is all, you know, small potatoes in the uh, in the big picture. I'm just glad to be talking about hockey and uh, and doing other things. You know, that's the that's the fun stuff. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, like we've said the last couple of weeks, this podcast can serve as a little bit of a distraction for people. Hopefully, a little bit of fun chatter to kind of brighten up or at least break up days because i know i'm certainly having a lot of monotonous days where i'm searching for things to kind of break up the time before we really dive in here just want to remind everyone that the golden edge podcast is sponsored by stn sports mobile from station casinos and uh, as always please rate review subscribe whatever you do with podcasts and itunes stitcher spotify etc please do with us also check out all the work we're trying to put together at ReviewJournal.com. Dave's had some good stuff on Golden Knights prospects recently. I actually talked to their uh, director of player development the other day, and we're going to have an article coming out on that soon. Just kind of an overall farm system update. And we've got a lot of other just kind of fun things that hopefully can occupy your time in this crazy time in all of our lives. Uh, we're going to talk... A lot today about one of those fun stories we did, which was, uh, I don't know whether to call them the 90s, the, the Goldies, what we didn't really come up with a name from, but we gave out season awards in a uh, fun office poll that I spent way too much time putting together as Adam w- was all too eager uh, to point out on Twitter. But Adam, <laughs> did you at least enjoy the ballot I made for you? I mean, yeah, it was it was extra, I guess you could say. But hey, this is a time of uh, having some, you know, some freedom to do things like that. 
I also I do want to go back. I feel like I thought Dave was going to do the best. Like I thought Dave would handle this well. I never think he think he likes us anyway. But he'd just be happy just being locked away away from us. You'd think that, right? Yeah. Like this. This is like me. This is all about you know being an introvert and being alone and and having your time and yeah, too much too much thinking, <laughs> too much time in your own head, man. It's not. <laughs> it doesn't work for people like me. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I'm learning my brain is an even more dangerous uh, place than I thought it was. But, you know, that's something I can discuss with a licensed professional once we all get out of here. Uh, And speaking of getting out of here, just before we dive into that awards belt and everything, uh, just some quick updates. Still not a ton to kind of give an update on. All fairly status quo other than the NHL kind of as expected. Extended its self-quarantine mandate for teams. Uh, to April 15th, another two weeks, and it seems like that's a very strong possibility that date will, of course, get moved back. Again, the NHL is just kind of handling this in small chunks, so guys still can't go to the team facility, can't skate, anything like that. Uh, At least last week, the one fun thing we got to do is, I know Dave and I hopped on a conference call with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and some other Pacific Division players like Logan Couture, Ryan Getzleff, and Anze Kopitar. Uh, Just some quick highlights, Fleury's still in Las Vegas, working out via mountain bike, or he's pushing uh, his baby son's stroller around with rollerblades. Uh, I said this on Twitter, but if anyone's got pictures of this, would like to see. <laughs> uh, the Knights apparently have an active group chat going where Nate Schmidt, kind of their NHLPA reps, trying to keep him updated. Uh, Schmidt is also the guy Fleury said he would most want to be quarantined with because he thought Schmidt, with all his energy, would wear his kids out. But he chickened out and didn't name a player he'd least want to be quarantined with because he's non-controversial. Uh, I got to know, who do you think Flurry is like thinking of, though, when he's declining to say who he absolutely does not want to be quarantined with? Who is like the number one guy for you that you think Flurry's thinking of, but he just won't say out loud because he's too nice of a person? March or so. <laughs> March, this has got to be March or so, right? Because he could pester him in two languages. Like, he, he wouldn't even be able to just, you know, do the French thing and get away from Marceau because he speaks French, too. He would give it to him in both languages, I bet. Like, that's got to be <laughs> – I just can't see those two, like, spending more than three days without killing each other. Yeah, I mean, that that's the first one that comes to mind, obviously, because you know he's just going to be just chirping and taunting you, like, the whole time. Uh, that would be brutal. But I, I feel like Robin Leonard would be a little bit of an awkward one, maybe. That could be that could be the uh, the one that'll just be like thinking about what's going to happen when they come out and what their battle could look like. That 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 could be bad. Yeah, so I didn't want to pick on like the new guy and like think of Leonard right away. And like Dave kind of mentioned the French thing with Marcia so, whereas you've also got the language thing with Leonard, but in a way where you know you couldn't understand each other. So maybe you just. You know, he talks in Swedish, Flurry just talks in French, and you can kind of distance yourself that way. Uh, but yeah, I I thought of Marshall so immediately because he definitely feels like the kind of guy who just doesn't turn off that like competitive, you know, juice or that competitive nature. And like he's gonna just throw the Scrabble board across the living room as soon as you like play your thirty point word, and it would just get so like tiring so quickly where you would run out of things to do because you just want to beat you at everything and it just wear on you. I can totally see it. Yep. I can totally see that. Just like super competitive Uno games. It'd just be, it'd be brutal. It would be awful. 
another fun thing from this call with Flurry. Uh, Logan Couture told a story that uh, he is one of two players that a certain security guard, he didn't specify like at what rank the security guard worked at or anything. But Actually, he did. He said Ottawa. Okay, Ottawa security guy said Couture is one of two guys he's ever seen bring a book into a rink and that Flurry was the other guy, which Flurry, in some great athlete humor, was immediately like, oh, I was holding it for someone else, just being like, I ain't no nerd on a conference call, which was incredible how quickly Flurry was like, how can I be a nice guy but also shoot down any sort of notion that I read books because like, we're still kind of puffing our chests out, I guess, even in these crazy times, which was great. Yeah, he eventually kind of relented and, uh, and said he reads them like on the plane and stuff. Although I kind of wonder, like, what kind of books would Marc-Andre Fleury read? Yeah, like I learned that Sidney Crosby is apparently like a big like military history buff, which is like one of the few fun facts we know about Sidney Crosby because he is the most like straight-laced, boring superstar in any sport i feel like maybe like he and mike trout would give each other a run for their money but like yeah i'm very curious what mark andre Fleury's like off ice potential book interest would be jurassic park or something right like what's the the john grisham books or something i could see him doing that 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 seems like a flurry kind of thing right yeah i'm actually yeah. feeling i'm feeling bad for flurry today because this is like you know this is wednesday recording this this is his day I mean, April Fool's Day is kind of his thing. He's he's a a prankster. He's you know he's kind of known for that, and and now he's got nothing. So uh, I think it's rough. I mean, I feel bad for his family. Maybe they're they're the victims today. <laughs> Blue toilet water splashing around or something fun yeah. around the house. Yeah, yeah something. I, I bet it's. I'm curious whether he would do anything with because one of the other things he mentioned on the call, he put a trampoline together for his kids. I think there's a lot of pranks you can do with a trampoline. Uh, he also mentioned his wife and uh, he are watching Making a Murderer while the kids are in bed. So he's like, what, five years late to that party <laughs> at this point? But I, I guess he's finally coming around to it. Uh, I mean, those are pretty much all the flurry highlights. But, uh, you know, Dave, Your Honor, what else did you just kind of like about the, the call that, you know, we got to be a part of there? Um, I thought it was cool just to see everybody's personality a little bit. They were, you know, out of the season and relaxed a little bit more you could tell the you know the the tension of the playoff race and all that wasn't there so you know ryan gets off made just made sure to show off his chicken coop um there was a couple really funny one-liners uh you know obviously flurry was asked about kind of his preference for coming back if he wanted to play some games or go straight to the playoffs and obviously he said he wanted to play a few games to get his timing back and when uh, and Jacopatar was talking about it. I believe it was Getzloff who chimed in and said that we don't really need to worry about the playoffs, uh, huh, Kopitar? So just a, it, it was cool to see them kind of joke around, have a little personality, and, and it felt like, you know, a little more of a locker room setting almost between the four of them, you know, kind of their chemistry. And, and I've watched some of the other ones too that they're a little more lighthearted, not everybody's taking a little so serious. Yeah, I definitely, you know, just thought the guys needling each other was really great. It was a good idea by the NHL, and I would assume they're going to keep up something like that in a, you know another couple weeks or two because they're going to need to keep putting content out there to keep you know the NHL at least in the minds of people uh, because you know it doesn't look like we're going to restart the season anytime soon. 
And one guy who wouldn't be surprised if the season doesn't restart at all is a guy we've already talked about, but that's Robin Lenner, who told a uh, Swedish publication, who I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Sports Expressen, uh, he said there was a, quote, 0% chance, but I should mention take those quotes with a grain of salt because it was, this is obviously translated, but he thought there was a, you know, quote, 0% chance the regular season and playoffs can be completed. He added via his Twitter account that he obviously hopes he's wrong. Uh, Dave, you're the one who kind of did a quick write-up on this uh, for us. What did you make of Leonard's comments? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're dealing with a translation, you hope nothing gets lost in it and everything's accurate. Obviously, he had to clarify some things, so he was concerned about it. But I think essentially what he was saying was if all the projections are right, if we're getting to 100,000 and, and things in a couple months, that there's no way to go on. And I don't think he was playing doctor or anything like that. I think he was just kind of painting the picture that, that he saw. And certainly it's a pessimistic one. So we'll see what happens. The NHL is obviously, you know, going to make decisions They're As you said, it's at the top, Ben, you know, kind of pushing things back slowly, bit by bit here, looking at things and, and all that. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy if, if Robin Leonard's right, like the Knights traded a second round pick and a prospect and Malcolm Subban for a guy who played, you know, maybe three games. That's, I mean, kind of crazy. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. And I mean, like I said, I mean, Leonard ultimately doesn't really know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. It's still all just kind of up in the air. Uh, some interesting things, at least about the format, that did come out via the conference calls and at least talking to some players that, you know, I found interesting. The general consensus is definitely that players want some regular season games before the playoffs. Um, there's kind of a definite undercurrent of, you know, they don't think you can go from kind of a mini training camp to full-on playoff intensity unless, you know, there you expect some serious rust or just injuries. I mean, Connor McDavid made the joke that it's going to be like a bunch of AHL guys if kind of the Battle of Alberta all of a sudden gets going, you know, which would be the playoff matchup between the Oilers and the Flames, if guys aren't kind of properly ready. So that's kind of interesting. I also thought it was notable there seems to be like zero appetite to play from, I mean, guys who are basically out of it. I mean, Dave, you mentioned kind of those specific division guys joking on the call. None of those guys seemed all that eager to like slap on the skates just to kind of like, finish out the season for uh, other teams. And uh, there's also some hesitation about just playing at all. I mean, uh, Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno on one call, at least like was the first player I've heard to kind of like raise the question about like, hey, if we're going to end up playing into August and then try to like conduct a normal 82 game regular season next year, like, is that really like the best thing for us as players? I mean, I think the general consensus is probably still like players want the Stanley Cup and they're willing to make sacrifices to make that happen. But I certainly thought that was interesting. Uh, Adam, what were kind of your thoughts or takeaways from kind of what the player's perspective on, you know, potentially coming back seems to be? Yeah, kind of similar to you. And, and you referenced it there, but I, I just want to you know reiterate it and jump back to it that there is, you know, some appetite. And I've heard some people recently say, Hey, you don't need to finish an 82 game season, but you need to get every team, you know, to a certain level. Say, you know, if teams are right now anywhere from like 68 to 71 games played, uh, come back and say everybody gets to 74. 
or you know 73 or 75 whatever the number is just everybody has this equal number of games and when you look at that uh you just you just pointed it out there are certain guys that they're out of the playoffs there's no meaning for these games and you're going to tell them after you know two months three months whatever the, the time might be uh hey by the way go get yourself ready and get in shape so you can play these last three games here like what what guys are going to want to do that i mean I know that they're going to want to, you know, get back on the ice and they want to do it for the fans and that sort of thing. I, I get all that, but uh, you're asking a lot of guys to try to get back in game shape and get out there and play like two or three or four regular season games. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So uh, you would think they'd want to go right to the playoffs, but at the same point, you can't really, oh, you can't just shut teams out. I mean, if you make it the the point percentage, uh, you can you can do that. Uh, and just kind of go forward and, and set the playoffs and, and just have playoff teams come back. But there's other teams that made acquisitions at the deadline. And, you know, what the, what, what were those for if you didn't have a chance to make a run and, and try to get into the playoffs? All those things are you're hearing from players and uh, kind of speculating at this point. And, and nobody knows anything. So that's all it is right now is when you hear from these players and they talk about the situation, uh, they just they don't know anything else. They don't know anything more than anyone else does. And they're just kind of coming up with ideas and thoughts at the same time. But what you're really hearing from these guys, I think, is more just personality stuff. And you mentioned the, you know, the chicken coop, and, and that kind of took off on Twitter a little bit. That was fun. Uh, just things like that were have been fun out of these things, and uh, it looks like they're going to keep doing it, which is good, I think, for the fans to to really, you know, get more invested in some of these guys. And I think that'll help even more when they ever do get back on the ice, whether whether that's for the playoffs, whether that's for an abbreviated season to wrap things up, or or if it's not until next year. I think it will start building those relationships a little bit better. Yeah. One thing I want to quick top back on there that you kind of mentioned is that notion of like, are we going to have play in games? Like, are we going to, what's the format going to look like? Uh, Pete Tabor actually had some interesting thoughts on this. He joined the ESPN on ice podcast, which uh, has Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan, really good podcast would recommend. Um, but he kind of addressed this too. And he was kind of on the similar vein of like the players of like, Hey, if we all of a sudden like jump right to the postseason and we, you know, end up having like played games where these wild card teams or teams that are kind of right on the edge of the wild card and you let them in just so they can kind of fight it out, he's like, it's a huge advantage. Uh, if like a wild card team, you know, plays a game to play into the main bracket and then gets to play us, whoever has played more games than the other team kind of heading into that matchup has a just, huge huge advantage and i think we see something similar all the time when you know teams coming off a of bye week are really really bad when they play teams that are kind of have not had their bye week have been playing for the last week i mean there's just a very definite rust factor that emerges so i think you know i'll throw it to you dave like that's definitely something that it has to be considered and just like the more you think about how the nhl you know, might come back, the scenarios in which they could come back. I mean, it gets really complicated and there's a lot of kind of hidden consequences to anything that might end up happening. You know what I wish they would do is kind of figure out if we come back, this is going to be the format. And then they can basically tell the other teams that aren't going to be part of it. Like, all right, look, you're off season starting, like you're done. Just, you know, get ready for the draft, get ready for free agency, get ready for all that other stuff. And the teams that are going to be in the playoffs, then you can prepare to then go back and have a training camp. And then if you have something at that point, I think they would feel more comfortable 
about jumping straight into the playoffs as opposed to having to play games. Because the problem with playing games is that at that point, you're still, unless you can finish everything out and get everybody equitable, the schedule's on balance, you're still dealing with, you know, uneven number of games, and it's just going to come down to points percentage anyway. So figure out if it's going to be that or the standings as they are and let the teams kind of know, look, you're in or you're out. And then then they can kind of start to prepare. And then the players, I think, you know, can maybe get into the mindset of, okay, if we're coming back, you know, I know it's going to be, you know, later on in the summer, I can kind of prepare for, for all that. Uh, the one thing I, I do want to say also, I can't stand the idea of that tournament or whatever for the number one pick or doing something like that. That is so ludicrous to me. When you've got San Jose involved that doesn't even have a first-round pick and Ottawa's got it and then all this other stuff with it, like, no way. You can't play for I love the idea of, like, incentivizing teams to still play and, and putting something out there or whatever, but I that one I don't like at all. Yeah, we can quick uh, address that. So I think that was the Athletics, Craig Custance, like, just kind of throughout, like, not that this is, like, official or close to happening or anything, but just, like, Hey, here's one idea that is at least being talked about around the NHL is like they're coming up with all these crazy content ideas to try to grab people's attention when and if they come back. And one of the ideas is why don't we just do a tournament with all the non-playoff teams and whoever wins will end up getting the number one pick, uh, which is going to be a a Canadian juniors winger named uh, Lafreniere this year. Really good player. But yeah, I don't know how serious... That's actually being considered. I mean, there's, as you pointed out, there would be a lot of like logistical concerns, even in like a normal year in terms of like, you know, the Detroit Red Wings, even in a normal year, do not want to play like some more, you know, crappy tournament games. They want to finish their terrible season, then just get out of Dodge, I would imagine. And that's kind of what Pete DeBoer said, because they actually asked him about it on the ESPN and Ice podcast. And he was like, hey, uh, in my experience, those rare years where I've like coached a lottery team, no one wants to stick around. Everyone wants just to get out. So I would be pretty shocked if this actually gets up off the floor, especially because I don't like the idea of even though you could talk me into like exploring it further, I certainly don't like the idea of like changing the rules on the team on these teams at the like the last minute. Like the Red Wings have been terrible and they thought this entire run up to the season that hey if we're terrible we're gonna get at least the best odds in this lottery and to have you know them get like 85 percent of the way through the regular season and then all of a sudden the nhl to be like yeah actually we're gonna change this up on you what you thought you were doing is actually gonna not work at all and you're probably gonna get just stomped in this tournament uh adam we'll quick throw it to you what, what were your thoughts on you know a potential tournament replacing the lottery uh, you guys make very good points, but I think as as you know, somebody who's selfish and just wants to see more things happen, uh, I don't mind it. Uh, but you're right; all the things, all the issues with it that you raise are, are completely accurate. There's teams that strategize to lose to get better uh, spots in the lottery. You can't just all of a sudden tell them, uh, "By the way, no, that's not how we're going to do it this time." Uh, so, so that is different. The, the one caveat that I think you could throw out there is. Like there is going to be, they're they're going to have to figure out ways to make up a lot of the revenue, which will impact how much players make down the road. And if you're telling them, hey, there's all this lost revenue, but there's a way to make up some, 
maybe that changes the dynamic a little bit. See, I like the play. I like the idea of the playing games doing that as a, as opposed to this kind of lottery thing, because I, I just I don't know. Uh, like, okay, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. Let's just say if you're Florida and you don't make it, right? Like, what is your chance of winning the lottery? One one point eight percent or something like that, or two percent. But if you're the best team in that tournament, quote unquote, do you have better than a two percent chance of getting that number one overall pick? Probably. And is is that fair? Like you're giving the teams that don't make the playoffs but are, you know, maybe borderline and, and are clearly better teams. Like, how do you even that out? How do you make it equitable in 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 close to what would have been if they're pulling, you know, ping pong ball ping pong balls out of there? I just don't see how they can do it. I love the playing game idea. And I still think you can you can make a, a cutoff line and say, you know, okay, the four that are in the wild card right now or whatever it might be. You're playing some kind of playoff series, the best of three, five, a game, whatever it might be. And, and you can get some more, you know, kind of interest and, and things like that generated through that. I'm more in favor of that personally. Yeah, we'll have to see, you know, what ends up actually coming out of all of this. I'm kind of with Dave and that I love the idea of playing games, just giving those teams a chance down the road, like like maybe next year, if you could devise a way to make that tournament, I think a little bit more palatable, just so teams know going into the season, like, hey, plan around this tournament being a thing compared to last year, where like I said, I don't like the surprise aspect where like the Red Wings have thought all year, like, hey, if we're terrible, this is what's going to happen. And then kind of would in this scenario have the rug pulled out under them. But I do like the idea of doing something that kind of in incentivizes teams to try because in not just the NHL, I think all sports you kind of see, you know, the leagues is get are getting more stratified where there's a bunch of teams at the top. There's a bunch of teams that are just absolutely at the bottom and there's not a lot of middle class in these sports. So I'm, I'm down for anything that kind of helps out that middle class uh, to quick circle back before we get to our golden Knights awards. Uh, just to cir- talk about that uh, pizza board interview just some quick fun stuff. He said he was at his cottage and his two college-age sons are keeping him in shape. He said he was at like the best shape of his life because he's trying to work out with uh, his sons. Uh, apparently, the Knights have a weekly coaches conference call just to go over stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And that's kind of what uh, Pete DeBoer is up to. Well, now let's get to what we've been up to, which have been, uh, as I've once again failed to dub them, our Golden Knights Awards. That's about... Just I'll say it as straight-laced as possible. Uh, so we did a staff poll at the Review Journal. We had nine different people voting on a bunch of different Knights Awards. Uh, we also have an online ballot fans can fill out if they want to tell us who they would pick for all these awards. You can just find that at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, so let's go through some of these. Uh, MVP, Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty uh, beat out Mark Stone and Shea Theodore, who also got votes. Stone was in second Theodore third. Uh, Adam, I'll start with you. Was this a difficult decision, kind of deciding who you thought through the regular season to this point? Because who knows, we might still get regular season hockey in some way, shape, or form. Uh, was it difficult for you to pick the Golden Knights MVP? Yeah, I think for sure that it was. Um, I think it was one of the more difficult decisions that I had. Obviously, Max Pacioretty has been uh, incredible uh, for this team. He's had you know a bounce back season. Really, he's been. Um, just so important for them uh, all throughout the year. But 
I actually voted for Mark Stone, and I, you know, I lost out. Uh, that's how voting works in your elaborate uh, methods that you had. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I, I think Mark Stone is just a guy that does everything so well and is so important to the team that I'm the guy he had. I'm, you know, he's the guy for me in this spot. But I have zero problem with Max Pacioretty. That was uh, a very difficult decision, so uh, came right down to the wire on that one. Yeah, well, so to your point, Adam, uh, Mark Stone ends up winning best all-around player in these, you know, our voting, which I don't think is a surprise to anyone who realizes how important what Mark Stone does, not just, you know, offensively, he's second on the Knights in points, but he actually, I think, has a higher points per game average than Max Pacioretty. He's really good on defense. He plays the penalty kill. Pacioretty doesn't. He plays, on average, more per game because he gets that PK time, but... Uh, Pacioretty was also really, really good this year. I thought he was obviously much improved from last year. His skating just looked so much better to me. Led the team in goals, said 32 goals when play stopped, let him in points with 66, let him in plus minus, or was second in plus minus to Chandler Stevenson. Uh, Dave, who did you end up going with uh, for this award? Yeah, I was also on the Pacioretty wagon. Um, with some thought, though, it, I I chose pretty quickly certainly thought about stone certainly like thought about riley smith and theodore a little bit but you know i think his goal scoring this year just he's he was everything that he was in montreal he was everything that they thought they were getting you know when they traded for him and signed him to a seven year or a seven million dollar a year deal i i mean i don't want to say they wouldn't be where they were without him or something like that and value is always relative. Like I get the whole argument that Stone plays to PK and has almost as many points and all that, but I, I just there were times where it felt like like Pacioretty carried them at moments in terms of his goal scoring. And I think sometimes maybe not what's forgotten, but I certainly put a lot of weight into goal scoring. The NHL is probably the hardest thing to do. I mean. When you think about it, there are only a handful of guys who consistently put up those sorts of numbers, and and the guys who do it, you know, are, are the guys who make big money. And this year, Pacioretty seemed to find that consistency that maybe it was missing last year. I think that was the other thing too. Just you know, there weren't those lulls. He didn't have those streaks. He was he was right there pretty much all year for him. Yeah, I voted for Pacioretty too, but I tried to make this comparison on the radio the other day and failed. I kind of view. I mean, him and Stone is just like a great duo. I think the comparison someone offered to me to try to help me out was Hall and Oates of like, are who's better than who? Ultimately, I don't think it really matters because they're just better together. And I think those two guys specifically can make just about any center that's between them better. When obviously things left off, they had William Carlson in between them and that looked like it was going to be just an unstoppable line. But those two guys... I mean, together are just uh, just excellent, excellent wing duo. Another award we gave was most improved, which I mean, kind of seemed like a lock. I get like other William Carrier got some votes, which he had a career season and obviously got a contract extension, so we deserved those votes. But you know, Shea Theodore ultimately won out, and he, you know he had just an outstanding offensive season. Led the Golden Knights defenseman in points with 46. Was really, really, really emerging when things kind of ended up uh, leaving out. And so I don't think it's any surprise that Theodore ultimately got this award. Dave, what say you? 
you know, in retrospect, I probably should have given Carrier more thought to it. And I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. Like, it felt like last year was the year that he started to take a step. And then this year, he took another one. It just felt like Theodore took the bigger step forward, I guess. I, I mean, Theodore was good last year. This year, it just it seemed like he was bordering on, you know, a top 10 defenseman a guy who's starting to get some some national recognition and and people are you know seeing the number i mean he would have been like on a 50 point plus pace basically if they were you know playing this season out which puts him in in some pretty rarefied company and as as good as william carrier was i just thought theodore this year was you know i don't want to say spectacular but but pretty borderline spectacular at times I actually, I actually did vote Carrier in in this spot, and you know I have zero problem with Shea Theodore. Obviously, for the reasons uh, that you guys have pointed out, I, I think he has taken a step from really, really good, promising defenseman to uh, you know, if you want to say elite, I think borderline elite is uh, is where he's at right now. It, it was it was very clear the the step that he took forward, and especially um, with what he's gone through, and and I think the international experience really helped him out uh, again. Uh, as well. So I think he took a, a big step forward. I just thought Will Carrier was such a different player in terms of his confidence level and his impact is every time he was out on the ice, you, you could just feel it. Uh, so I, I went with Carrier, but obviously zero problem with Shea Theodore. It's a, a great selection. Yeah, it was just all about how you view most improved, right? Where Theodore went from being a good player to like, an, you know, a really good, excellent, outstanding, whatever superlative you want to throw player where Carrier went from kind of a guy at the bottom of the lineup to now like a guy that with the contract extension, they clearly feel is a very key part of their team because a lot of the skills that made him a second round pick once upon a time are, are showing through Uh best newcomer went to Chandler Stevenson, but uh Robin Leonard got the three votes that did not go to Chandler Stevenson. Ed, I'm going to start with you because I'm going to guess that you were one of the Robin Leonard voters. Am I correct? I don't wait. I'm I'm actually blanking on who I did. I actually think that I voted for Chandler Stevenson only because uh, it, it, the, the other guys were so new. There wasn't like enough time. Like Leonard obviously emerged on the scene and was very very good for a very short period of time. But I thought Stevenson just had uh, an impact over a longer period, and and that's why um, I thought that he deserved the vote. Although I think if you you know, give give Leonard, you know, five more games there at the end of the year. I think he probably would have been uh, in that role. Yeah, that was definitely my thought process, too, when I went Stevenson. I mean, Stevenson obviously had a, I mean, career year. Even if you just look at his time with the Knights and disregard kind of his first two months in Washington, uh, it ended up being a career season for Chandler Stevenson. And he played up the lineup, he played down the lineup, and he was useful in kind of every kind of role. And, yeah, Leonard is probably going to end up being just 3-0 and in the regular season for the Knights, and we'll see if and when he would even play playoff games. So it's just a short runway for him to kind of try to make up ground for this award. And as you mentioned too, Adam, it's not like the Knights signed a free agent that would have been given consideration for this award too. Uh, Dave, what did you go with on this one? Yeah, I was also with Chandler Stevenson. I, I mean, part of... My thinking, what I thought was so interesting about his season was how the Knights kind of rearranged a lot of their thinking um, at the trade deadline and depth charts and and all those sorts of things, kind of long long range thought process because of how good he was, and and all of a sudden they 
they have a guy who they thought maybe could plug in here or there and be a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. And and I think they really view him now as as part of their center depth. And yeah, he can kick over the wing and and do that sort of stuff. But I think they really feel like they hit on a center and a guy that that gives them the speed element that really maybe they've been missing ever since Hallow was out of the lineup, you know, early last year and then, you know, all through and then and then in the December before they got him, I think that's kind of the biggest change and the biggest element that he brought to them. I, I just felt like his impact was was over a longer period, I guess, more than than Leonard, even even though Leonard was, you know, pretty marvelous in that in the three game stretch. Yeah, and then we'll quick go through some more awards. Oh, I already touched on best all around player. Uh, Theodore won best defenseman, which should probably be no surprise. Uh, most disappointing. Alex Tuck, that one was pretty pretty clear too. I think to most people, just obviously never got it going this year. Dealt with injuries, all that stuff. They're gonna have to face some, I would guess, decisions on him at 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 some point. That's it's he's kind of in a weird spot where clearly part of what's hurting Alex Tuck's production is his spot in the lineup on the third line, whereas. Last year, he was incredible as a second-line right wing, but now Riley Smith and Mark Stone are kind of blocking him. So even if he were to maybe get healthy and you know find more of a consistent role on this team, there just seems like he's kind of capped right now as to his spot in the lineup. So, I mean, Dave, I don't have a better way to phrase this, just like he's in kind of a tough and a weird spot right now, and I don't quite know how the Knights address getting more out of him next year or potentially, you know, going into the playoffs. Well, if they sign Jack Dugan, there's going to probably be even more competition at that spot. That seems to be kind of the logical place that, that Dugan would slot in if, you know, if that's the way everything shakes out, you know, over the summer and contractually here. So maybe that's what gets him going. I I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I was a big fan of his, you know, I thought he was really good all, all through last year, you know, up until, you know, the, the trade deadline. And we've kind of talked about that. They have to get him going. He brings so much to them in terms of speed and, and size. He's got a different skill set than, than just about everybody on that team. But, you know, the the other side of this too, is the onus is going to be on him to produce with maybe the little bit of time that, that he has and, and show that he, uh, he deserves more, uh, more ice time and and maybe a, a larger role. Yeah. We'll have to see how that ends up shaking out. Uh, and then last, the most contentious vote, which kind of makes sense to me now looking back on it. I didn't think it was going to be this contentious, but, you know, it ended up shaking out this way. It was Rookie of the Year. We had four different guys get votes for Rookie of the Year. Multiple votes, I should say, for Rookie of the Year, which is tough when there's only nine voters. Uh, so I'm just curious just to go, you know, around the horn. Uh, Adam, I'll start with you. Who did you pick and why? I took Nick Hague, actually. Um, you know, I I think Cody Glass was a, a guy that you look at and say, you know, his his presence was very noted on, noticed on the ice when he was there. He made some spectacular plays. But I thought, um, you know, only 12 points that he had in 39 games. And Nick Hague as a defenseman had 11. That's not the be-all, end-all, obviously. But uh, Hague played to a zero uh, plus minus rating. Again, not everything. Uh, but, you know, he, he was not – killing them necessarily when he was out there on the ice. Cody Glass was a minus seven, uh, and he only had those, like I said, 12 points in 39 games while Haig had 11 in 38. I, and I know Haig, you know, kind of lost his spot 
and you know fell out of favor a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just thought he had a pretty decent season for a rookie, and I thought there was times where Cody Glass, even though he showed some flashes of brilliance, uh, also showed some uh, places where he has to grow, and that's expected of a rookie. But that's uh, that's why it's a rookie of the year award. Yeah, Cody Glass. I mean, Adam kind of was touching on it there, but Cody Glass did ultimately win this award. He was the one guy that got to three votes. But uh, Dave, who did you vote for? I think Glass. Right? I don't remember. That's <laughs> terrible. I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But like, I'm going in my head. I'm like, did I vote for Watt? Did I vote for Glass? I, I'm pretty sure I voted for Glass. I think he just had more of an impact over a longer stretch. You know, Wall was kind of bouncing up and down and and even though if you go by points per game and all that probably wall was you know ahead of him and and what have you i just i think i felt like it was more of the the number of games because everybody's stats were so similar there wasn't like a guy that that was really an obvious you know came in made a massive impact and maybe that's what what this all speaks to is as much as they've had some you know guys from their system finally arrive and and finally make debuts there wasn't a guy that really jumped out. There wasn't a guy that really kind of, you know, grabbed hold of a lineup spot or anything, whether, you know, Glass's injuries prevented that, whether other things on defense prevented that from like, you know, White Cloud being around longer or Haig. Um, obviously, all the salary cap stuff prevented, I think, Nick Waugh from really sticking long term. So maybe that's what just kind of sticks out to me about them, about all of this with the rookies is, yeah, they had a bunch of guys that that came in and and got their feet wet, but nobody really made like a big splash. I'll also say, I, sh- I in retrospect, I should have voted for Nick Waugh. I, I, I made a mistake on that one for sure. Uh, I think I think his impact, even though it was less games, um, it was felt, and you could also you could just see him, you know, being on that on the verge of really really taking a step uh, down the stretch. And I think he would have been uh, even more impactful uh, if he was able to have a little bit more regular. Uh, time on the ice I, I just think he was he was really on the verge for them so that that might have made, made some more sense if if they finished out the season season if they played like the final 11 games he's in the lineup the whole time and is playing the way that he was playing at that point my mind has probably changed yeah. I, I would probably go with him at that point projecting out what he would do and all that but I, I totally agree with you Adam like he was he was really starting to emerge he had really solidified his spot in the lineup uh, going forward. I think, I think Pete DeBoer really started to, to buy into his game and really start to learn about him and, and see what he had to offer. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll see if, if things change with that, but you know, for right now, I think my pick was glass if I, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Well, you guys already made the the case that I was going to make for Nick walk. Cause that was who I ultimately ended up going with. I thought he really, showed a lot and you know had a very firm grasp on uh, an NHL spot when things wound down and so of course did uh, Zach Whitecloud when everything stopped but I think you know to Dave's point none of these guys were you know game changers upon their arrival but the fact that they were getting contributions in any way shape or form from young guys was a positive step for the organization it certainly seemed like you know, if the playoffs would have started, you know, the next day against Minnesota, just theoretically, that they would have had two rookies in Waugh and White Cloud in their lineup for sure. So that's, you know, obviously a positive development. Uh, Glass just actually, t- he turns 21 today as we're talking about this. Hag turned 21 relatively recently. So these are still 
really young guys that have now gotten their feet wet at the NHL level, but they're all going to be expected to take a little bit of a leap next year. Well, those are most of our awards. Uh, so guys, out of all of those, we touched on all of these. Did any of these like results really jump out at you or surprise you ultimately when, when I kind of shared what ultimately we all came down with? I was a little surprised that Patch Reddy won as handily as he did, I guess, for MVP. I mean, I can totally see Mark Stone getting, you know, a good share of voting there for just his all around game and in the contribution that he brings, you know, the 200 foot aspect of everything. But I mean, I don't know. I guess kind of the other thing too is poor Riley Smith. Like he's having an unbelievable year, like career year, 27 goals. He was approaching you know maybe his first 30 goal season and like he's totally overshadowed by stone and patch and and some of these other ones like the all-around one i was like oh riley smith oh wait no i gotta vote for stone you know <laughs> he always seems to kind of never get like you know some of the love which he probably deserves but uh, you know he really did have a great year or is having a great year i guess uh that certainly deserves recognition even though he's not going to get any of these awards i guess yeah, real, real peek behind the curtain here is I totally came up with the all-around player award thinking like, all right, I got to have a way to kind of acknowledge Riley Smith and his great season here. And then I realized, oh, wait, there's no way if I even I come up with this award that it shouldn't be Mark Stone. So that's just it's just a tough beat for Riley Smith right there. Tough, yeah, it's a bad beat, right? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I'll also... At, you know, I'll throw it to you, Adam. Is there is there one winner that you were particularly like surprised and like steadfast against, or did overall we did we do pretty good? No, I think we uh, we did a good job with the uh, with the voting. Like I said, I, th- I thought a couple of the awards were very uh, were very close, and I thought you know the MVP. I was very interested for who was going to win because you know I was sure that Mark Stone was going to win best all around player, but then do you also vote him MVP like I did, or do you go with Pacioretty who uh, was having just a, such a fantastic season? Um, th- those were the ones that I thought were, were fairly interesting. And I was really uh, fascinated to find who would be the, the newcomer because of all those things we talked about, like Leonard was so good, but it was such a short period of time. Chandler Stevenson was, you know, better over a longer stretch. Uh, so th- those are the ones I was really looking to see who was going to win. Yeah, no, and it was interesting to see that shake out how it all did. A reminder, you can look at the entire results at reviewjournal.com and then there's a poll in there as well where you can provide your own winners for all these different golden knights awards you know it's a lot of time alone and uh self-quarantine for all of us here we're just finding out random stuff to do if you guys have any suggestions of stuff you'd like to see us do or talk about just a reminder you can always email us uh all our emails are in our stories or find us at twitter I'm at Ben S. Goats. He's at David Shane LVRJ. And he's at Adam Hill LVRJ. Together, we are the Golden Edge Podcast. Please remember to you know rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts. Uh, make sure to help out our sponsor, SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casino. That's it for us this week, guys. We'll talk to you again real soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. 
The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.